Hi everyone and welcome to episode 16 of the Therapeutic Rainbow and I'm very happy to welcome Nina today and Nina is a conflict resolution coach and I'll get her to explain where in the world she is and all about what that means. So welcome Nina and thank you very much for coming on today. Cool, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm actually from South Africa and I also live in Namibia a lot, which is a country that not many people have heard of. Uh, but I live between the two countries and because of that, I work mainly online. Um, yeah, my, my background is in mental health as a psychosocial uh, counsellor. Yeah. I then went into the mediation space for many years, about 10 years, um, working okay. with parents with divorce, with co-parenting issues, I uh, worked in children's court, um, I did uh, co-parenting coaching and divorce coaching. So that's where the, the conflict resolution coaching comes in. Yeah. And so how has, I guess, how's lockdown been over there for you guys versus where we are in the UK? Have you seen a rise of cases in the way that you're working? There, there have been, our, our really hard lockdown was last year. It was really hard and really bad. Um, I know that we're, we're in a bit of a easier space now compared to you guys, a much yeah. easier space. Um, and we are incredibly lucky that it's summer here now. And um, yeah, we have the freedom to go to the beaches and things like oh, that. Very jealous. <laughs> At the time of recording, we are certainly not in that, but fingers Sorry. crossed. Yeah, no, that's fine. Fingers crossed it's coming that way. So I guess what does a conflict resolution coach work with? What kind of cases do you see? And how do you find that conflict in families are affecting children with their mental health? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so obviously everybody, without even realising it, all of us are actually dealing with conflict on a day-to-day -day basis, from the little things to irritation to finding a parking spot, yeah. to the big things of going through a massive family conflict um, or huge workplace um, conflict that might mean that you leave your job or things like that. So, so there's conflict all around us um, all the time. And it's, a lot of it relates to power dynamics okay. um, and, the power, and the power imbalance between people. And then also it relates to, to our conflict styles and that comes from how, you know, our, our, our um, attachment styles. Yeah. Um, so how we grew up, how we att attached to our um, primary caregivers when we were, you know, really young. And yeah. then that influences later on to how we actually deal with conflict within any type of relationship. Um, and conflict is and this might irritate a few people or trigger a few people when they first hear about it, because often, and I do, honestly, I do it myself, um, I think I'm right, and they're the ones that are causing conflict with me. <laughs> Absolutely. It's their fault. <laughs> it's very, very difficult to realize that conflict cannot happen with one person. Yeah. Um, so it takes two. And I'm not assigning blame at all, but it definitely takes two in terms of your styles of conflict as to how that conflict is going to play out. Yeah. And I think that just you saying that's made me realize that even in that parent-child dynamic, that happens as well. It's like, actually, you have to remember that you, I'm just thinking about many of the arguments I have with one of my girls more than the other is because she is that mini me. And it's that kind of, you have that conflict because you don't want to give up and you don't want to say that 
I'm wrong and she's right and or the other way around like it's that same I guess so not only can it be between adults I guess you must see it in the parent-child relationship as well Yes, no, absolutely. And that, that's the transactional model that, that I sometimes coach parents through in how they're relating to their children, how they um, need to change the, their relating to their children as their children grow up into more independent, you know, little souls um, and slowly bring that, that um, relationship into a more adult to adult relationship instead of an adult to child relationship. Yeah. Um, but that definitely plays out in, in the family system. Um, when I see when I see um, parents in conflict, and then how they are going to manage co-parenting um, or parallel parenting, to be honest, um, I don't know. Yeah, if you want me to explain that. Yeah, that would be really good if you can. Yeah, what is that difference? Um, okay, so whether I'm married or not, if you've got you know in a partnership and you've got children and you split up, there needs to be some sort of parenting agreement of how you are now not going to live together, live separately, but still parent. Yeah. And so co-parenting is obviously the ideal where you come to an agreement and you can still communicate effectively and you are able to share the responsibilities of the child. And that's not just financial, it's everything. It's the practical, it's the emotional, it's it's the, the day-to-day activities of the child. So that would be... Um, a good effective co-parenting um, yeah. model. There's there's bad co-parenting, but people still try to co-parenting, and, and that's fine. There's you know there's there's arguments, there's disagreements, but they're still co-parenting. Um, when you get very high conflict um, partners, a very high conflict split, um, often that is in the space of addiction, yeah, um, mental illness. Um, and personality disorders um, when there's just just irrational behavior and very high conflict and you just cannot it's, it's actually more damaging to the child than to try and co-parent okay. you then try and create a parallel parenting scenario where they will still parent but completely separately there is no um, interaction between the parents there's no communication when the child goes to one house. Often they're picked up at school, so they're not even picked up at each other's home. So there's just there's just no interaction with the parents. And that is really there to reduce the conflict. Um, because... And how do you think that affects that child's mental health? Um, look, the older research, um, when they first started sort of researching um, the effects of, of divorce on children, just came out on divorced uh, children from a divorced home and children from a not divorced home. So then yeah. the research came out that divorce is really bad for children. Yeah, that's fine. Research then thankfully moved on <laughs> um, and looked at the various factors of that. And it's come out that conflict is what really damages children, Absolutely. not necessarily divorce um, so yes divorce is 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 a has a huge impact on children it's, it's a huge crisis in anybody's lives um, but more damaging than, than that is the conflict around it um, so you can get families who are not divorced or separated or, or split up but the conflict there is more damaging yeah um, so the parallel parenting um, scenario was was put into place essentially to reduce the conflict so yes, the child will still be impacted possibly negatively by the divorce, but if, if that divorce was, or if, if those parents were so high conflict to begin with, yeah, they were being damaged anyway. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
and then moving into separating that and hopefully reducing the conflict actually might be better for the children in the long run. Yeah. So would you say that a lot of your work is to kind of coach the parents in how best to deal with it for themselves and the children? Is that the majority of what your work is? Yeah, I don't work with the children at all. Um, yeah. I'm not qualified to work with children. Um, but my main goal has always been and will always be the focus on um the focus is on the children actually yeah um you know in the long run whatever i can do with the parents whatever i can do during the, in the mediation space to get um things working more effectively for the family i know it's going to have a better impact on the children yeah and this is something that um you find both parents have to be kind of amicable to do or is it something that the court asks you to do or um, no, I can absolutely work with one parent. Okay. Um, obviously, obviously, it is far better if both parents are involved and, and during a mediation process, both, both parents have to be. Um, in the coaching space, you know, even just working with one parent helps because that helps reduce the conflict. It helps them parent more effectively. It helps them being able to step away, looking, looking at things a little bit more objectively. Um, but yeah, obviously it's better. It's always better to work with both. Um, but sometimes you can't get that, and and that's that's just the way it is, and that's the way conflict is. Sometimes you have to step away and work on it by yourself instead of trying to still be in that space. Absolutely, and I think you need to find out who you are really as a person. And I guess that must be a lot of what your work is: is kind of refinding that person that you're working with, giving them back their voice, giving them back who they are, and where they are as an individual because I think sometimes in relationships you get lost in who you are and actually you're trying to give that back and that's where maybe conflict might happen yes yeah definitely and just yeah the, the empowerment aspect of finding yourself knowing that um you you do have more say in the situation than what you often think yeah. um people often sort of come to me feeling incredibly disempowered and, and controlled, not only by the situation, but by the system, by the court system, you know, that thing. And realizing that actually you do have more of a voice, you do have more power than you think. Um, and that's obviously hugely empowering. And that, again, in the long term, helps the children and the family dynamics. Um, it, it brings that power imbalance back to balance. So are there specific kind of tools and things that you give to parents, mums or dads that kind of allow them to find that power back and rebalance themselves and refocus? Um, yeah. How many do you want? <laughs> I guess your top three, really. So what I work with a lot, and I just need to look at, is, is um, the SCARF model. So I use that a lot during mediation and sometimes I don't necessarily explain the actual model yeah. um, to people, but I'm just working with it. So the SCARF model is obviously an acronym for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness and fairness. Now, if you if you deal with people in in a correct way with that, you're moving you're moving more towards um, the, these you know these these five things so you're moving more towards less conflict 
Yeah. Um, but if you're working against that, um, so for example, let's take certainty, for example. Um, if you're threatening somebody, you're moving away from certainty, they're going to feel more threatened. So their defenses are going to come up. So it's much more difficult to get to an agreement. Yeah. But if you're moving towards certainty saying like, look, I'm not taking the children away from you. We just need to work on some solutions rather than if you don't do this, um, you're never going to see the children again. Very big difference to how the other person is going to react. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I, I work with that a lot. Um, um, yeah, and just the various, uh, the Tom, Thomas Kilman conflict model, I get people to understand their own conflict styles. Yeah. How they react to conflict and how that impacts the relationship and how the conflict is perpetuated essentially yeah I mean I'd never heard of that and it makes complete sense that actually your conflict style matches your attachment style and where that comes from and yeah it makes much sense in that kind of those models and where your beliefs are and you say that you parent the way you've been parented unless you choose to change it and so it makes sense that your conflict styles would be the same in that yeah yeah and and again that you know that's that's it's very easy to say you parent the way you're, you you were parenting. That's but it just takes a little bit of insight. Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard so many people complaining about the way they were parenting, and then they fall straight back into that role themselves. It's, yeah. You know, come on, a <laughs> little yeah. bit of insight, a little bit of um, research and practice, and maybe going to a parenting coach or something like that. You can change the entire generational dynamic. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. And it's the model behind everything I'm trying to do is that holistic way of thinking, because I'm very much come to the conclusion that I can work with these children for weeks and weeks and weeks. But actually, if they're going home to the same scenario, and the parent isn't looking after themselves or knowing what to do themselves, then I'm not going to get anywhere. So the idea behind the rainbow and the eventual dream is that that center will be there, that that whole family can come to and we can help that parent discover their attachment style, discover their conflict style. Because I think, especially as we've gone through the generations, you don't, you didn't ever find that out. Like I know speaking to my parents and my grandparents, it's like, well, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And oh, it's, because it's it was not spoken about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And actually, yeah, we need to change that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's that's a, been a big um, discussion and argument throughout South Africa uh, up till two years ago. Thankfully, it was a high court ruling, was actually constitutional court ruling, um, that was upheld that you're not allowed to uh, physically punish your children. Yeah. Um, Thank goodness. But um, the arguments of was, well, I was hit when I was a child and I'm fine. So therefore I can hit children as punishment. Yeah. Well, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The, 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 yes, you might be fine if you think so. That's fine. But if there are better alternative solutions, yeah, why not? You know. <laughs> Absolutely. And I guess thinking about kind of mental mental health and the way that can affect children, is that something you deal with quite a lot as well? Yeah, no, you see, again, I'm not, I'm not working directly with the children. Yeah. Look, sometimes I do, I do work with, with teenagers, um, and I have the teenagers coming in as part of the, the, the mediation, the coaching session. 
Um, but no, I, I work in a team, so I will refer the children um, to the correct, you know, qualified people. Um, but yeah, I mean, that then sort of, I think the conflict resolution that's happening in the home is then going to impact the punishment style. And I don't even like work using the word punishment because I, I never feel that children need to be punished. They, they just need to learn. They need to be guided. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but definitely, however the conflict is happening at home and very much between the children, uh, sorry, the parents, um, that is going to have an impact on the children's mental health, just, just the anxiety levels. Absolutely. But I um, think as parents, if sometimes they're not aware of it, that it's their own mental health that they're struggling with, I think that yeah. also can trigger that conflict because they might not realise that they're not feeling in a good place or they might feel well, everything's your fault, not their fault because of their own state. And I know I work with a number of parents where actually their self-worth, their self-esteem is so low that those parallel processes are happening with the children. Very much so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, my personal story is that I got divorced 10 years ago um, and unfortunately it was a very high conflict divorce and it's from that that I then... Um, thought that there's got to be a better way to do this and that's where I went into uh, the mediation space and trained as a mediator um, and my ex has a severe mental illness um, and yeah no matter what therapeutic interventions treatments were available they were available but <laughs> you wouldn't always adhere to them um, obviously that had a huge impact on my children yeah. and how conflict played out in my house and how the divorce then played out and the impact on the children. Absolutely. So, and yeah. I think until parents and adults realise that it's their mental health that needs work on. And again, the idea with the rainbow is that we offer that in a slow drip feed because sometimes it's a little bit scary to actually say I wonder if you've looked at your own parenting style or if you've looked at your own it's not going to be as easy as that but actually maybe uh, just having that time and that space for that self-care they'll start to realize that oh I didn't have that before maybe that is something that I need to put into my life or I think we're all especially as mums we're all very busy kind of filling everyone else's and looking after everybody else I'm the classic one of that and sometimes it's just about stepping back and thinking I think I need to look after me and it's a difficult decision yeah. to do yeah and and I think they um obviously we we need to do it very carefully but really we are dealing with adults and adults need to take responsibility so I, I do get quite frustrated with parents who continue to send their children, you know, to every possible psychologist and counselor because yeah. the child is at, the, there's something wrong with the child, but they're not prepared to look at themselves, their marriage, the dynamics in the home, because obviously that is a huge factor. And I'm not saying that, that um, you know, sometimes it's, it's not a, is something severely wrong with the child that needs intervention, but absolutely the dynamics in the, in the home is going to be a factor. Absolutely. Um, so working holistically, working within the family systems model, we need to look at ourselves, our own interactions with each other and ourselves, our interactions with ourselves, um, which is difficult. It's, it takes courage, um, it takes vulnerability. Um, but honestly, if we're wanting the best for, for our children, that's what we need to do. 
absolutely and i think hopefully if nothing else comes out of lockdown in a positive it's that i think people have started to realize that self-care and mental health is really important and that actually if we don't start looking after our own then what are we doing to the generations to come yeah no and i've definitely seen that that positive impact as well uh the the this the stigma of mental health has been reduced a lot. And I, yeah, and I guess you've seen that a bit more than we have because you're slightly over the over the other side than we are, but it's definitely much more in the media than it's ever been. Very much so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm hoping that that will continue to change and that the, it won't be like, well, the minute we're out of lockdown, you stop thinking about that and, yeah, everyone's okay again. But I guess it's about finding ways that we can all be okay with that and I guess mm. that's the main thing of your work it's actually conflict while is a negative can have a positive kind of oh, ending absolutely. yeah and, and I think I actually need to still I'm still trying to find a way to to verbalize that more myself even after 10 years is how valuable conflict can actually be yeah. um because you can you can come up with such amazing solutions and out of the box thinking, which you wouldn't get to if everything everyone's just happy and going along and nobody's actually discussing things and nobody's kind of bringing things to the table, and life just carries on. So conflict can, is incredibly powerful to work with because the the outcomes can be just so much better than the, than the original situation. Um, but it's it's scary. People are scared of conflict. Most people are avoidant of conflict. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I'm, I am. I'm in my in the in the Thomas Kilman um, model. I am a complete tortoise, which is hide away, avoidant. You know, back into my own um, And then over the years of of training and working and whatever, I've slowly become a different conflict style, which is the owl, because I'm able to step back, look at things objectively, look at all the sides look at both sides not just my side um but again it it takes it, it takes a specific scenario because if you go back to that scarf model if you're in conflict and you're feeling threatened you're going to get defensive yeah so if you re you know that that's that's a natural reaction fight flight or freeze yeah. you're feeling threatened in any one of those five scenarios you're going to fight flight or freeze you cannot think with your rational brain at that time um, so if, if we're wanting good outcomes from conflict then we need to learn how to use conflict for the good of all rather than Definitely. using it in in a in a threatening style in a powerful style absolutely and i think that's the same with parenting our children is that their way of conflict their way of kind of tantrums i guess is a way of getting our attention our attention as a parent they don't know that what they're doing is the wrong behavior choices. Actually, what we need to teach them as a parent is the different ways of looking at it, the different ways of working, the different ways of tackling yes, yes, yes. that scenario. I mean, and I think yeah, that's the same with conflict. Yeah, I mean, if a child is having a tantrum or a meltdown or really battling with something, that is the perfect learning opportunity. It's the perfect guidance opportunity to then sit and teach them and guide them through how to verbalize their needs yeah. and then they learn that they are being heard and listened to yeah. 
Yeah, but maybe. if you're going to use that now as a punishment style because you're being naughty because you're having a tantrum, how's the child ever going to learn to actually speak and be heard and yeah, know that they will yeah. be heard? But again, I think if you as that parent is kind of also gone into your fight, flight, freeze mode, your thinking brain, your rational brain has switched off, yes. then you're not going to be able to listen. And I think one of the key messages I try and give parents is actually when that child is in a meltdown, you need to take those breaths first. Yes. Because if you go into that position where you're in that heightened state yourself, then nothing's going to happen and everybody is going to get into that signs of conflict really and it's just going to get worse whereas if you as the adult can switch your thinking on brain first before you tackle whatever behavior is going and it's almost like sometimes I know I have to walk out and then walk back in it's like okay no I'm not ready to deal with this right now and I mean in terms of parenting or, or, or partnerships or marriages I mean that's that's something that we can practice with each other and we really should be because what you're talking about there is reaction versus response yeah um and yeah we are we are designed to react in a way um you know you're battling at home you've got kids it's locked down you've got work you've got everybody in a small space and your partner walks in and says something that just yeah. triggers you um and in that moment, you can also then practice deep breath and wait and respond rather than react because that can be this that can be the second that can literally turn the entire day upside down or not yeah. as to how it's going to happen. Um, and that's where I'm saying that that it always takes two. Neither's right or wrong. Um, yes, he's wrong for and I'm saying he. <laughs> yes, he's wrong for walking in and and saying something that triggers you. Um, but how you're going to react and respond is also going to make or break that situation. Yeah. And then from that, you can have discussions with each other about what triggers you so that you know how to say things that don't trigger each other. Yeah, um, you, you know um, that timing is incredibly important. I mean, yes, you definitely need to discuss this quickly right now. A bank statement's just come through and you, you've got to discuss it with your partner now. But when you walk in, your partner might not be in that space. Yeah. Their brain is full of something else and, you know, stuff's happening in the kids and then you're on them about a bank statement. You know, rather say like, listen, we need to talk about it. When is a good time? And then we can sit down and talk about it. So those little management techniques can reduce conflict in the home hugely. Um, but it's got to be discussed and agreed on beforehand that this is the way we're going to deal with things. This is the way we're going to discuss things. This is the way we're going to have conflict you can't not have conflict so how are you going to have conflict absolutely and having conflict in a safe way because we also don't want people to get and children and parents to go through life thinking that they can't have a tantrum and they can't have a meltdown because they're a way of them as you said exploring working out kind of having a lesson making a mistake so there's no such thing as the perfect parent the perfect family and yeah. but as you say it's about pausing and kind of reflecting on that and working yeah. out okay what did go wrong with that communication or what could I have done differently next time or why was I triggered and I guess it's thinking about all of that yeah and that's 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 not easy and that's why sometimes it is worth you know using the services of mental health professionals um, or coaches because it's, it's not an easy space to be in 
Um, and just the, the, the consideration that I think we forget that, we are, that, that our children are constantly modeling us. So yeah. what they see as to how you are managing a disagreement um, with their mom or dad, with, you know, with their other parent, um, how you both managing the conflict or not managing the conflict, um, they're going to be learning from that. Um, and then you wonder why as teenagers they roll their eyes or talk back to you I mean <laughs> yeah. you know I heard something today where it said that every the child knows 90 percent of what they know by the age of five and it's just like their models yes. they're sponges they're kind of taking in everything without yeah. us even realizing so and, and that's the thing is when you when you read the research and you talk to children of, of of kids from divorced homes or separated homes or whatever they know <laughs> they knew yeah as much as you kept conversations behind closed doors or pretended not to have conflict in the home or whatever kids know absolutely so, um you know age and stage appropriate definitely but bring them in to the discussions bring them into the family dynamics bring them into the arguments because it's their lives too um, work with it as a family it's amazing what solutions children come up with it's yeah. unbelievable what, what yeah. I do. And I think they, as you say, they've got way more insight than we sometimes give them credit for. So yeah. I think it's yeah. about being open to that as well. And I think while you say it's age and stage appropriate, absolutely. I think sometimes it's more damaging to for them yeah. to kind of make up their own scenarios. And actually, if you tell them something, at least they know. Yeah, and then also they feel that they, they're in control as well. Um, if everything's just happening to them and they're being suddenly told their entire life is changing and, and it's just being told and happening to them, uh, they feel very out of control. But if they are asked for their... In, in South Africa, we, we have the term called the voice of the child, which yes, has to come yeah. in. We, we have that here as well, yeah. Has to come into every divorce, has to come into every court order. Um, and it's such a valuable tool because the kids feel heard. It is their lives. They, they need true. that autonomy. Again, age and stage appropriate, and that's why we deal with professionals to get that for us. Yeah, child. definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then, you know, even if you're not going through that process, but there's, there's arguments at home, um, there's honestly probably nothing more valuable than having a family meeting and asking them what they think as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely yeah. the way forward. So thank you so much for kind of being part of this podcast today. And I end all the podcasts by asking the guests, if you had a pot of gold at your end of your rainbow, what would yours be filled with? So if you could have anything at all at the end of the rainbow, what would it be? Oh, happy children. <laughs> happy children. Love it. So just to let the listeners know that next week we'll be speaking to Mel and she's from My, Mute, My Beautiful Brain. And it's looking at mindfulness and the ways that children's brains work and what we can do to help them understand that. Because just like we've spoken about here, children need to understand what's going on inside them as well as outside in the world. So again, thank you very much for listening and I will see you all next week. Take care for now. Bye bye.